Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of my message is Awake or Asleep, You Are Growing. You are growing. Um, actually, it's asleep or awake. You are growing. It doesn't matter which one happens first. You are growing while you're sleeping. You're growing while you're awake. There is a seed of greatness on the inside of you that God has placed. And whether you're sleeping or whether you're awake, it's growing. I'll tell you where I'm getting this message. It's in Mark chapter 4 verse 26. It says this. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed upon the ground. Night or day, whether asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. There's, it's, it's beyond our imagination. Right down in here, he, he's growing, his greatness is growing, and this is why out of nowhere he'll cross your mind. You'll be at work and all of a sudden he crosses your mind. Before you even open your eyes, you're awake, but you haven't opened your eyes yet. You're laying in bed, he crosses your mind. As you're laying down in bed, you'll close your eyes and try to go to sleep. And as you're laying there, he'll cross your mind. The only reason why he is crossing your mind is because you are on his mind. And that provokes a thought into you. In John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus says this, No man comes to me unless drawn by the Father. So that is how he draws you. He causes thoughts to cross your mind about the things of God. Anytime you whisper to the Lord, you whisper a short little prayer, that is God drawing you. When you woke up this morning or last night and you decided, I'm going to go to church today, that, that wasn't random. That was the Spirit of the Lord drawing you. He draws you into the house of God. You know, I was towards the end of this last week. I think it was uh, Thursday or Friday. The, the week was just stacking up. You guys know what Fridays are like. It's just stacking up. And I was feeling the stress. I was feeling the burden. I was feeling it. And I actually said out loud while I was in the truck by myself, Just get to Sunday. Just get to Sunday. It had nothing to do with preaching a sermon. I love you guys very much. But it had nothing to do with seeing you. I just have been in his sanctuary so many times. I know what happens to me when I'm in his presence in the sanctuary. Something happens. In Psalms chapter 26 verse 8. The psalmist said... I love the sanctuary because it's where the presence of the Lord dwells. Someone may say, well, the presence of God is everywhere. You're exactly right and wrong at the same time. Because the omnipresence of God, 
is everywhere. You can't, if you went to the furthest star, you would find the omnipresence of God. But the manifest presence, those are the places where God says, I will meet my people right here. I will meet my people right there. I will meet them right here. And his fingertip rests on the crown of the roof of the church. I will meet my people right here. This is why when you come into the sanctuary, it feels like nothing you can feel in any other room. Something happens here. And so as he pulls you towards himself, as he pulls you and you start saying those prayers, know this, every prayer you pray, even the shortest two-sentence word prayers, every prayer you pray shifts your life in a dramatic way. In Psalms 56 verse 9, It says, the very day you call for help, the tide of the battle shifts. The day you call for help. The enemy plays two tricks on us. Or he presents two lies. That's a better way of saying it. Because in John chapter 8 verse 44, it says that he is the father of lies. That it is actually his native language. He is a liar. But the two lies that he presents, the first one is God does not exist. The second lie is God does not get involved. And because of that, we find ourselves praying less than what we should because we believe that thought that God does not get involved. And he builds a case in our mind and tries to remind us of all the prayers that he did not answer. And he builds this case to pull down our faith. When in full reality, God always answers our prayers. It may not be in the way that we want him to answer it. But in the end, we are always better and grateful for how it ended. Always grateful for. How many times have we prayed as a kid in high school. Oh God, I want to marry her. And now you see her and you're like, thank you, God, that I never married her. Ladies, you have stories better than we have stories. Dear God, let me marry this man. Thank you, God, for not letting me marry that man. God always answers your prayers, but he answers it in a way that is so sovereign that our own mind cannot conceive it. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, it says, To him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can ask, think, or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. But these seeds, they're so unpredictable. It's like when you want them to grow, they don't grow. It's like, God, if you have something great in me, let's get it going. Or we look at our children and we say, God, I know I drugged that kid to children's church. I've 
prayed for that kid. I, and now look at your kids. And what's going on? Because the seed within a person is so unpredictable. My father grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. At 12 years old, his father died. Shortly after that, my nanny, that's the Italian side, uh, my Brazilian side, I call my grandmother Vovó, but nanny on the Italian side, she moved the family, my father and his brother and his sister, to Queens, New York. She worked two jobs from, from morning till night. When my father came home from school, there was nobody home. In those days, they called it a latchkey kid. And so my dad would come home. There would be nobody home. When he went to sleep at night, many times Nanny was not even home. Nanny would wake him up with a belt or a bat. That's just how Italians do it or keep myself out of trouble. That's how the previous generation (laughs) did it. But she would wake him up. But when he came home from school, he could not find anyone. He raised himself. So you can imagine how filthy my father's mouth was when the streets raised him. He went into the military and the military transferred him to Nagani, Michigan. Shortly after he married my mom, he was about 20 years old. And he had a filthy, filthy mouth and the military was cultivating that skill very well. There's a guy by the name of Daryl Roseman that walked up to my father time and time again and invited him to come to church and told him about Jesus. My dad had nothing but the F word to say back. He had middle fingers flying like birds all over the place. Finally, one day he got so mad, he picked up a shovel and flung it at him and clipped him in in his head. He felt so bad about it that he went to church the next day. He was sitting in the back of this small Pentecostal church, about 65 people. He had no idea what the preacher was talking about. But at the end of the service, the preacher opened up the altars and said, if anybody wants to pray, they can come down. My dad ran like a bat out of hell, literally, down to the altar and raised his hands and started crying before God. He became an assistant pastor. He became a senior pastor, then an evangelist. He had children that worship God. Now he's got grandchildren that worship God. You never know when that seed is going to come to life. You never know. It's interesting about the seed. The seed of God that is on the inside of a person. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 7. It says one man plants, another man waters. But neither of them are anything. Only God can cause it to grow. The seed inside of your children, you've done all you can do at this point. The seed that is inside of you, that you have heard from a preacher or from somebody who loves you for years. At this point, they nor I can do anything to make that seed grow. But it's God who causes it to grow. And know this, that in a moment he can change everything in your life to where you will do more in one week 
for the kingdom of God than you have done in your entire life. You know, I, in, in 20 years, absolutely, put your hands together for that. The first 20 years of my ministry, I can only remember the Lord using me to heal one person in a miraculous way. In 20 years. And then the Lord touched me in a special way. And the first time I started praying for the sick after that, six people were miraculously healed in that service. That's more than my entire life in that one service. Over the next three years, every single Sunday at this church, people are miraculously healed. In three years, God has done more through me in three years in the area of healing and sickness than the previous 20. One touch of the Lord changes everything. You know what my prayer now is? Now I'm just frustrated because now I want him to touch me again. I want him to change everything about me again. When the Lord touches you, everything changes. But for those of you in the room that want the seed within you to accelerate, you're tired of waiting. You just want it to hurry up. You're done with this physical world. You're done chasing money and you're done dressing nice to try to impress people you don't even like. You want God to do something in you greater than he's ever done before. There is a way to accelerate the seed. See, oftentimes... We overestimate what God is going to do in the short term. But we underestimate what he's going to do in the long term. And too often we lose hope. We lose hope and we begin to start paying attention to the glitz and the glamour that this world has to offer. Because we lost hope in pursuing his presence. But I want to tell you that as you are in the presence of God, as you are talking to him, things are happening in your soul and in your mind that you have no ideas taking place. There's some people that actually have felt like electricity in their body when the Lord's touching them. I've never felt that. I, I can't think of one prayer time where I've walked in and felt anything like that. I walk in feeling and I walk out feeling the same way I did when I walked in as far as a physical feeling. But I've noticed, and many of you, I've seen it in your life as well, that the more time you spend in his presence, your words carry more influence. When you walk into a room, your presence carries peace. And when you pray, there's power in your prayer. It's very frustrating to pray over and over again and not see anything happen. Know this, that though you don't see anything happening, everything is shifting and changing. 
But for those of you that want to see things happen, I want to see it. I want to see people get healed. I want to see God touch a heart and change right before me. I want to see it. There is a way to accelerate that seed. And the Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 62, verse 6. Those of you who pray, give God no rest. Give yourself no rest until he completes his promises. Give him no rest. Give yourself no rest. Let me speak to your spirit and provoke you to want to leave this room and pray with more tenacity and passion and consistency than you've ever prayed before. Because there's only one thing that's going to truly make you feel fulfilled. And if you've prayed for the presence of God to rest on you for the sake of ministry. See, the presence of God is in you for your sake. But it rests upon you for the sake of others. When the Spirit of the Lord is resting upon you, that's when you're able to see His power. When you go to bless people. If you pray any, like I do, you just say, dear God. I want to see what you promised me I would see. For the person in this room that says, the pastor's smoking crack cocaine, this isn't even theologically correct. (laughs) I would beg to differ. In John 14, verse 12, the Lord said this, you will do the same works that I have done. Even greater works. As I return to the Father. Actually, I misquoted that. It's actually better the way it's written. (laughs) Yeah, go figure. It says, anyone who believes in me shall do the things that I have done. Anyone. There is a relationship with God that we have all been invited to. That causes the seed of greatness and the seed of hope to spring up in us. But the enemy, he will shout with a megaphone to keep you distracted and to keep you discouraged. My daughter, Presley, she's 16. She said something in the kitchen the other day and I said, Presley, I need you. To come say that to the church. That was so good. Would you make her feel welcome? So over the last couple weeks in my relationship with the Lord, I felt this kind of a distance. And to say that in another word, I felt like there's been a gap there. And um, for me, that gap looked like here's where my prayer life is. Here's where I want it to be. Here's what I'm doing really good at, and here's what I wish I was a lot better at. And I found myself getting so frustrated with that. I was like, I want this intimacy, and I feel like there's nothing I can do that's getting me there. And one weekend, I was so frustrated, and honestly, I didn't want to open the Bible. I was like, I'm doing everything I can, and I'm not getting there. But Romans 8.38 came up. And um, I've heard that verse probably a hundred times, but this time I felt in my spirit right down in here, this time don't just hear it, but realize what that means. 
it says, nothing can separate you from the love of God. So if God is love and nothing can separate me from him, then this gap, this idea that there's a gap is a complete lie. The back end of... <laughs> so the back end of Ephesians 2.9 in the Passion Translation says that salvation is not earned by good works or human striving. So... First, it's not earned. There's nothing I can do. There's no good work that I need to do first. And human striving, that's what really hit. There's no, there's no more striving. I was so focused right here on, am I doing enough? Is this good enough? Is this going to create the level of intimacy that I want? But that says that we, we don't have to do that anymore. Jesus died forever closing the gap. So there's nothing more that we have to do. Um, so the challenge for myself was James 4, 8, and it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So if you're craving that intimacy, it's not a gap that you have to close. It's just the drawing near and he'll meet you there and you'll find what you're looking for. That's so good. I, I really hope that speaks to you because it spoke to me. I, I have actually said those words. Man, there's a gap. I just feel a gap. There is no gap. There is no gap between you and the Lord. There is no gap. That is a lie from the enemy. You know, speaking of the enemy, and I don't like to even talk about him. I look at the enemy like like he's mud, literally mud. Um some people have said, do you ever worry that there's an evil spirit on you? Uh, and I say back to them, no, I don't. I never think about that because I know that it's just, if, if, if he had the audacity to come. <laughs> I look at it like mud. When I stand in the shower, I don't care if I'm dirty. I don't fret over it. I'm just in the shower. The shower is going to take care of everything for me. And so, uh, why the battle? Why the, 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 why the intensity? You know, if I ask you to raise your hand in this room, if you're going through a battle right now, every hand goes up because we all have that in common. We are all fighting a battle that nobody else knows about. That battle is over the seed that's inside of you. The enemy will do anything. He would even give you a a job making millions of dollars just to keep you from paying attention to that seed. He will cause you to fret and worry and, and be over the seed. But know this, the degree of the battle is in connection to the degree of the assignment. In 1861, there was a military battle between Americans versus Americans. It was the bloodiest war. It was the South. Southern Americans fighting Northern Americans. America fighting America. Military fighting military. Think about that. For four years, 750,000 people were killed. Americans killing Americans. Almost a million. 
And you think to yourself, what? 750,000. What was all the battling and fighting over? The bigger the battle, the bigger the anointing, the bigger the opportunity. What was the result of the North winning that battle? Four million slaves were freed. Four million. To this day, everyone is free in the United States. That was the bloodiest battle. That's what history calls it. The bloodiest war. But look at the reward. Look at your own life. The degree of the battle is connected to the degree of the assignment. Hell, what are they fighting you for? Why the intensity? Because what's in you is that great. Do you receive that? Come on, put your hands together. In Revelations chapter 19, verse 10, the Bible says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, anytime anyone, including you, talks about something that Jesus has done, you're actually telling the person what Jesus wants to do again. That's why people think when they hear a testimony, well, if it happened to you, it can happen to me. That's how powerful it is. So the enemy wants to keep all testimonies closed up and locked up. Even myself, I don't want to share testimonies of things that God has done in my life because I hear the enemy saying, oh, you're just bragging now. Or don't share that testimony. That was five years ago. Don't share that testimony. Why don't you talk about the hell you're going through right now? Don't mention a testimony that happened 10 years ago. It's very interesting how he does that. Because some of you have been through a divorce and you lost everything 10 years ago. And you've had to claw your way back to where you are right now. The enemy doesn't want you to talk about things like that. Because if there's anybody going through a divorce, they may get hope out of your testimony. And so he keeps it down. About, I don't know, I'm going to pick a number, a month, six weeks ago. We prayed for somebody right over here. He was completely blind and then he could see again. And so we took the testimony video. If you were here on Easter, you saw it. We took the video to Costa Rica. And I was doing a a church service inside someone's home. And we showed the video. And there was somebody on the right. He got my attention and he said, I'm blind too. I can't see at all out of my, either the right or the left. I can't, I can't see at all out of one of my eyes. And out of the good eye, I can only see a little bit. He goes, I need that healing right there. And so we prayed for him. Just, I think it was like three weeks ago. Why don't you take a look at this? Un momento muy especial para mi vida. He venido a esta reunión a compartir con el Pastor Franklin y con amigos y mi familia. 
Tenía un estado en el cual tengo mucha fe en Dios de que me voy a recuperar de mi vista porque con mi ojo derecho prácticamente no veía nada, mi ojo izquierdo un porcentaje bastante poco, tanto que ya no puedo leer ni las cosas que leo y me cuesta caminar porque me da miedo caer. He's opening his eye right now. It's about to be 100%. The Holy Spirit is touching his eye right now. Eyes open in the name of Jesus. Open. Come alive in Jesus' name. Veo muy bien. ¿Qué dice? He sees well. Very well. Ask him. Ask him. What did he say? He sees very well. Very well. Ask him if Jesus healed his eyes. Que si Jesús sanó tus ojos. Sí. Yes. Yes, I feel. Feel Yes. Can he see? Puede ver. Bastante. A lot. Bastante. A lot. A lot. Tell your. Uh, hold up numbers. Three, two, one. And let him tell you how many fingers you're holding up. Cuatro. <laughs> Four more. Keep doing it. Dos. Yeah. Valentina, cuatro. Hold up another number. Otro Uno. Tres. Cinco. stand to our feet. Give him a standing ovation. We love you, Jesus. Come on, give it to him. We love you. We love you, Jesus. We always share a testimony of somebody that was healed the previous week or the week before. They all start stacking on top of each other. So Why do we always share a testimony? Because it's the spirit of prophecy. If it can happen to him, it can happen to you. Maybe you see perfectly, but you have another need that's consuming your life and is debilitating your life. It's debilitating your life in a moment everything changes I'd like our prayer partners to come down if they would throughout the room I was in Atlanta recently 
preaching on a Sunday morning. It was the Sunday that my father preached. It was so amazing because six people got healed and three of them were deaf and their ears opened up. But all the way home on the flight, I kept saying to myself over and over again, oh, I wish I would have brought the prayer partners with me. Because I've traveled places before and brought prayer partners with me and, and I knew, I knew in my heart if the prayer partners would have been with me, more people would have gotten healed. Way more people. That's, that's what happens when they come. More people get healed. Whatever you need. But I have to, I have to address this before we even talk about that. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? Because that's the biggest issue that we have this morning. If the answer is no, in a moment, I want you to come down here and pray with a prayer partner and tell them, I need to get my life right with God. The Bible says that if you're ashamed of him in front of man, he'll be ashamed of you in front of the Father. So don't let pride or ego or fear or insecurity, any of those things, keep you in your seat. Let's just put our hands out like this just for a moment. Would you whisper to the Lord what you need him to do? It can be a whisper so soft that you can't even hear yourself, but make sure your lips are moving. Whisper to the Lord what you need. Help me say that word, glaucoma. Glaucoma. Is there someone here that's fighting against glaucoma? I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. Just come down here. I want to pray for you. Just come out of your seat and come down. If nobody comes down, then I, I'll just admit that I missed God. I thought I heard from him and I didn't. It was me talking to me. Is that anyone in this room? Is there anyone in this room? This isn't the Lord talking to me. This is just me asking. While you're watching that video, you thought, I need my sight. I'm losing my sight. I need that same miracle. If that's you, I want you to come down here. Hi. Three of you just came down. Is either one of the three glaucoma? Just sight. Did I miss glaucoma? 
Are you losing your sight or glaucoma? It's your sight. I don't mind admitting when I missed it. I'm just surprised because that was really heavy on my heart. Nobody here. In the on Easter Sunday, I asked if there was a particular name of a person that was in the room, and nobody came down. And after service, somebody came up to me and said, "That was my name, but it's my first time here, and you freaked me out." I was like, "I understand." So this can be kind of weird. And if you're a visitor here, you can think, I am not moving. I don't care if there's a, a, a shoebox full of $100 bills. I'm still not going down there. <laughs> My only fear is that you'll walk out the same way you did when you walked in. I'll regret it all day if I don't ask. Is there someone here named Carrie who either it's you? What are you doing down here? Your sight. See, when you see a testimony like that, people's eyesight gets healed. Is there someone here named Carrie that something's going on in your family and you're really concerned not just about the situation, but about how your children are going to come out of the situation. How your children are going to be. In the first service, I had three names and all three were accurate. I'm okay if I, I don't believe I'll. I'm comfortable missing it because I swing a lot. But is that anyone in this room or you know who I'm talking about because they're a close friend of yours or they're in your family? Something going on with Carrie. And you're most concerned about the children. All I want to do is pray for you. Just want you to come out of your seat. I'll take you by the hand when the service is over and I'll pray for you. Did I miss it? It's all right. Don't come up to me after service if your name is Carrie. Because these gifts of the Spirit are to make everyone's faith go up. And so we rob them. We rob them of an opportunity for their faith to go up. Why, why, why is she coming down? Tell me. Okay. Her name's not Carrie. <laughs> you put your hands out like this. Holy Spirit, thank you for being in this room. I want you to come out of your seats now if you need any healing in your body. If you have a family issue, 
there's something, if you need a miracle with your finances, miracles happen. They happen here. So you can come out of your seat right now. The service is officially over, but what I'd like for you to do is let's just sing this song at least two times through before anybody goes. Because we live our whole life wanting to be in his presence and then we're in his presence and we rush out. So you can leave after we sing two times through, you can take off or you can hang out a minute. Let me pray a blessing over your life. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and bring you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.